Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. It's always remarkable, isn't it, how an expert gemologist is able to examine what may to the untrained eye appear to be just an ordinary stone or rock, but to his trained eye is the realization that he is holding something of great value. The ability to distinguish the rare gem from the ordinary is primarily a matter of training and experience. Knowing what to look for is the key. And having a master to point the way is indispensable. In many ways, this is our life study of the Psalms. 150 poems, songs, and praises, many of which are full of gems. Many others are full of ordinary and more common expressions. But the question is, can you tell the difference? How we thank the Lord for those experienced masters that have gone before and who have left us with so much help to learn how to spot the gems. Ed Marks is with us today. And Ed, we come to a section of the Psalms from Psalm 52 all the way up to 67. And um, there are varying degrees of appreciation of these Psalms, but I think we'd better spend a couple of minutes again, as we have in many of these programs, to talk about what we mean when we're comparing these psalms and identifying some as gems. Because it's all the Word of God, isn't it? And so therefore, we uh, uh, certainly honor and respect all of it. It is, Chris. Uh, I was so inspired by your introductory word. It was really quite marvelous and supplying to me. You know, when we were serving with Brother Lee, I could never forget he used this phrase. He said, we need to see the diamond in the box of the Bible. Right. You know, and the diamond is God's heart's desire, is God's good pleasure, is God's eternal purpose. And we have to see the divine concept in the Bible, in everything. And especially with the Psalms, I would just like to tell our listeners, of course, we've had a number of programs on the Psalms, but the subject of the Psalms, it's full of the expressions of the sentiments, feelings, impressions and experiences of godly men. Mm -hmm. And these godly men, they were seeking and contacting God through their praises, prayers, and singing with exultation. So you have all these human sentiments, all these expressions, all these human feelings. And what it shows is this, Chris, and let me just say something according to our experience first. And this is why we love the Psalms. Right. Is because in our personal times with him, We have to talk to him. 
He knows where we are. We might be regenerated. We have him in our spirit, Mm -hmm. but we're still very untransformed in our mind, our will, our emotion, and we need him to transform us. So many times we're passing through trials, through afflictions, through circumstances, and we cry out to God, and our cry and our prayer is full of human concepts. If you look at the Psalms, you can see this with the psalmist. For instance, Psalm 18 and of course, I'm, I have uh, the recovery version of the Bible here, which is my favorite study Bible. And there is a note there that says, Psalm 18 is a human talk with the divine God. Wow. So when you see the psalmist speaking a lot of times, you see it, their human concept and their human feeling, which is not the divine concept. You know, but Chris, what happens is this. Like, like, let me give you an example, and we'll come to this later. In Psalm 73, mm-hmm. the psalmist, he says at the beginning of the song, he said, I was envious of the wicked when I saw how they prospered. So he was talking to the Lord, and he said, Lord, it seems like I'm pursuing you in vain. I've right. cleansed my hands, and I'm afflicted every day. And look at the wicked. They're prospering. They don't have any problem. Everything's going okay with them. You know, if you look at the psalm, this is, of course, my exposition. Right. But you look at the first half of Psalm 73. Well, we realize that that's not the divine concept. (laughs) No. But see, with the psalmist, Chris, this is instructed to us because it shows us when we contact the Lord, we have to open up our being to him. And we have to talk to him. He knows where we are. Well, because the psalmist talked about his human concept and opened to the Lord in the most intimate way, he was ushered into the divine concept. Wow. He was ushered into the gem of God's heart's desire that you were talking about. So he said, this was so painful for me. It seemed like I'm being afflicted. Everyone else is, you know, that doesn't know the Lord is doing great. Right. But he says this, you know, if you look at verses 16, 17 in Psalm 73, It says, until I went into the sanctuary, then I understood therein. In other words, he went into the sanctuary, which means he got in, essentially, he got into the Lord's presence. Right. And he got the light of God's presence shining in him. And he realized that he was just off. And he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, I was like a beast before you. You know, I was totally wrong. That was my human concept. And then at the end of the psalm, he says, Whom do I have in heaven but you? And beside you, there's nothing I desire on earth. He said, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the rock of my heart and my portion forever. Now, Chris, I know we're not on this psalm, but it's very instructive because it shows you have the human concept and you have the divine concept. And, Chris, we need to talk to the Lord. We need human talks with the divine God so that we can get ushered out of our human concept and into God's divine concept, which is, Chris, his eternal purpose, which is his eternal economy. He wants to dispense himself and work himself into our being to transform us. So we go through all kinds of heat and pressure, and as we're talking to him, as we're enjoying him, as we open him, he has a way to renew our mind from these human concepts and fill them with the divine concepts. Boy, this is really helpful, and I hope our listeners catch this, because we've been talking along this line throughout these programs on the Psalms. But, Ed, I think you made a great uh, graphic illustration 
of the human concepts that are conveyed and the divine concept. Now, again, it's all God's word. We treasure all of it, and there's a place for all of it, but it's instructive. And the problem is when we don't have the trained eye, many times we may latch on to the human concept and take that as our pattern, you know, trying to be ushered into a deeper experience, whereas the pattern always needs to be the divine concept. So, you know, and here's the case where the psalmist was engaged, dialoguing with the divine God, and he was ushered from the human to the divine. That's the objective. That's why we need the training, isn't it? To be able to distinguish the difference so we can take the divine as the pattern. Exactly, Chris. And I think that's why you and I, you know, we both served with Brother Lee, and this is why we appreciate his maturity in the Christian life. And he's a real gemologist. And that shows we need to interpret everything in the Bible in light of the whole Bible. So like when David, we'll see, he talks about annihilating his enemies. But in the New Testament, it says we need to love our enemies and pray for them. Yeah. Well, but you have to look at the whole Bible in one sense. And maybe we'll talk about this later. David is a type of Christ fighting for God's kingdom. And Satan is God's enemy. But spiritually speaking, in our person, we shouldn't live in the Old Testament dispensation in a physical way. We have to enter into the spiritual realm and the divine realm of the New Testament reality, and we have to be those who love our enemies. So we have to see all of these things in light of the whole Bible and in light of God's divine concept. He wants us to contact Christ He wants us to live Christ and enjoy Christ and express Christ. Boy, that's a great lead into the first segment that we have today. As I said, we're covering a large section in the Psalms. Uh, I'm going to take a verse, a few couple of verses here from Psalm 54 that illustrate exactly the point you were just making. Here's David's prayer. Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen up against me, and those who terrorize seek my life. They do not set God before them. Selah, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is among those who sustain my soul. He will return the evil to those who lie in wait for me. Annihilate them in your faithfulness. So uh, this is not quite the New Testament pattern, is it, Brother Ed? It's not, Chris. And after we hear Brother Lee's wonderful sharing, we can talk more about this, you know, where the Lord, Jesus himself, God himself incarnate, talks at the end of Matthew 5 right. about how we need to love our enemies. Okay, here's Witness Lee, Dear saints, I am not a young man. I've been touching this book for years. I found out it is altogether not so easy to understand the Bible. In my study of the Psalms, I got the best help from John Nelson Darby. In his synopsis of Psalms, he used the word sentiment. He says the Psalms are the expressions of the sentiment of the saints. This is their sentiment expressed. Then I add a little word, not only the sentiment, but the mixed sentiment. A kind of a complex situation there. No doubt, to trust in God, that's right. That's wonderful. To trust in God, that's right. And in this psalm, there is a part of David trusting in God. This is good. But another part, another part. Could we justify David's prayer in hating his enemy to such an extent? Could we justify? 
No. So you have to admit something wrong mixed with something right. So there is a complex situation. Then we go on to Psalm 56. While he was trusting in God, he asked God to cast on others. <laughs> I'm trusting in God, yet I'm still also praying that God would put you down. You may laugh at me, right? So now I check with you, dear ones. I'm really concerned maybe this wrong you prayed such a prayer. Didn't you have this kind of prayer? You tell me. Quite often, the only thing you are a little careful not to utter it. You have the complex sentiment you dare not to express everybody. Yeah, that's right, Ed. At least David was honest enough to be able to utter it. Many times we feel that way. We have these mixed uh, sentiments, complicated sentiments, but uh, maybe we don't have the boldness to say it. We're all in this... uh, pitiful situation many times, aren't we? We are. And again, this was where he was, and he was so intimate with God. I think this is the positive thing. We need to be intimate with the Lord, and we need to be able to uh, pray ourselves into God. Yeah. When we begin to talk with him, we might be in our human concept, in our human feeling, but as we speak to him and we open for him to speak to us, we get ushered out of that human concept, even out of our bad feelings. Yeah. And his feelings get infused into us. You know, Chris, again, I was thinking about the Lord's word in Matthew 5, which he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that's what we need to be governed by. This is the New Testament standard. Chris, when I was in college, I took this course. It was um, in New Testament studies, and I was an unbeliever at that time. It was an elective. And the professor who taught it, he was a dear brother in the Lord And he was a brilliant man, and I really respected him, even though I didn't know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we were having a class discussion, you know, on Matthew 5, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, and pray for those who persecute you. And I remember telling the professor, I said, this is impossible to do. No one could do this. Who could love your enemies? Who could pray for people who persecute them? Anyway, the only thing he could say, and he really cared for me, of course, he said, Mr. Marks has a good point, you know, but I never really got an answer <laughs> Never got to an that. answer. <laughs> but Chris, if, if you look at the note in the recovery version on this, it's a great revelation, Chris, because what it points out is that you have the Lord speaking about the kingdom of the heavens and how we as believers should be, and the note points out that this is the highest demand, but only the highest supply of the Lord himself as our life can meet this highest demand. So the point is this, only the Lord Jesus himself can live the Christian life. And that's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ. I need to be filled with the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ so that Christ can live himself through me and I can magnify Christ and express Christ. He is the one who loves, we were his enemies at one time. That's right. He loved us. He prayed for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Well, this person is in us now, and he's our hope. And so we have to contact him, be infused with him, and allow him to live himself through us. And then he lives, his life is up to this standard. Well, Ed, it seems like we need to follow David's pattern in that we need to be intimate 
with the Lord, regardless of our condition. We don't need to follow his pattern, Lord, annihilate my enemies. The pattern we need to follow is the one you just pointed out from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And really, it's the pattern of the Lord Jesus himself living his life out through us. Here's Witness Lee once again. In the Psalms, you have to be judged. You have to uh, keep your uprightness. You have to hold on to your integrity. All these kind of things. But I like to tell you, uprightness is not spirituality. Justice is not spirituality. And even integrity is not spirituality. Spirituality is the spirit. Only the spirit is spirituality. I couldn't read in these 150 psalms any verse the psalmist speak about the spirit. Only Psalm 51. David prayed, Lord, restore me. The Spirit. Only that one verse. But in the New Testament, no comparison. Paul says, Walk in all things according to the Spirit. Oh, may I know Christ. Oh, may I know the power of His resurrection. That I could be conformed to His death in the fellowship of His sufferings. Here, hallelujah. In the Old Testament, we have 150 pieces of poetry which are a real background to show us what is the real spiritual thing that we should seek after. We should pursue after. Not just justice, not just integrity, but spirituality. And life that is the divine life lived out of me by the bountiful supply of the Spirit. And this is, I tell you, the real spirituality. If so, I don't think you can pray to destroy your enemies. Rather you would say, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Lord, not only forgive them, but furthermore, have mercy upon them, that they may repent, and that they may receive you by believing into you. You will pray for them this way, without any kind of accusation. Ed, we're really uh, presented here with a contrast of a kind of an Old Testament view of spirituality and the New Testament view of spirituality. Why don't you uh, help us with this? Well, Chris, I would like to conclude in this way. We need to see that we are in the age of the New Testament. And the Old Testament is a book of typology. Mm -hmm. You can see Christ as the centrality and universality of God's move in the Old Testament with pictures. But the New Testament is the reality. Now, Chris, here are four things I would just like to share just for our listeners in the way of conclusion. In the Old Testament... All the blessings are earthly. Right. In the New Testament, all the blessings are spiritual. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. So the Spirit himself is our blessing. And I love this statement that Brother Lee made. Only the Spirit is spirituality. 
you know, if I can be a good person apart from the Spirit, what does my goodness express? It expresses me. But if I contact the Lord and I'm filled with him as the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, then his divine attributes are dispensed into my human virtues, and then I live Christ, and I magnify Christ, and I express Christ. And then my goodness is Christ. My virtues are Christ. And this is what the Lord wants. So see, in the Old Testament, you have earthly blessings, but that's just the picture. The real blessing is God in Christ as the Spirit. And Chris, in the Old Testament, for instance, you have the law. But in the New Testament, what do you have? You have the law of the Spirit of life. Right. The Spirit is in us. Mm-hmm. He's our living law. He operates in us automatically, spontaneously, effortlessly as we contact him. In the Old Testament, you have a physical temple. In the New Testament, we're the temple. Right. We are God's building. We are God's habitation. In the Old Testament, you have a mediatorial class. Right. But God's original desire, even in the Old Testament, is that, and you see this in the New Testament, all the believers are priests. All the believers should be living, functioning members. So whenever we read the Psalms or read any book of the Bible, we need to see it in light of the New Testament reality. And Chris, just like Brother Lee concluded, if we are enjoying the Lord as a spirit and we're filled with him as a spirit and we're loving him and we're in intimate contact with him, we're filled with his love. Mm -hmm. And spontaneously, we love our brothers and sisters and we love our enemies and we love the unbelievers. I remember when I first got saved, Chris, it was so stark to me. I had this boss that I worked for and hardly anybody liked my boss. And uh, he was, you know, he was a tough humanly guy. it was hard, yeah. yeah. But when I got saved, I just loved my boss. I began to pray for him that he would get saved. And I didn't understand why I felt that way, but it was because I was just a new believer. It was because the Lord's presence was so rich to me that spontaneously he was my love for my boss. Yeah, the Lord himself. And we have to remember that as we go on in the Christian life, not to become pharisaical, not to try to do things in our own strength and our own effort and behavior. We need the Lord as a spirit to fill us with himself as love. And then we love him. We love him because he first loved us. And then with his love, we can love even those who are against us. You know, Ed, witnessly in part of the message we weren't able to include today, because of time, but he makes this comment that uh, these things, the righteousness, the uprightness, the justness, the integrity that David is frequently uplifting in the Old Testament, those are all the good things, but these, even these good things can sometimes distract us from our pursuit of Christ. If we're pursuing them as the so-called items of spirituality rather than pursuing the one who is spirituality himself. We need our minds so completely readjusted, recalibrated, renewed on this point, don't we? Chris, this was a marvelous statement you made. Pursue the one who is spirituality himself. Only the spirit is spirituality. Right. So the spirit has to be my integrity. The Lord has to be my integrity. If I just live by my integrity from my birth, the Lord may use the environment to tear down my natural integrity so that he can work himself into my being to become my integrity, to become my goodness, to become my virtues. Then he's expressed. And I I just love the way 
how you put it. We need to pursue Christ, pursue him as the spirit. He is our spirituality. He is our life. He is our person. He is our virtues. He is our expression. We love him. He's everything to us. Wow. Ed, I want to close with this uh, point. I was uh, working on one of these programs. Witness Lee made this comment. He said, when I mistreated someone, I feel bad. But when I'm actually, when I'm nice to someone out of myself, I should feel worse. (laughs) Realizing that there's nothing that satisfies God but Christ. Nothing in us. No goodness in us. No effort on our part that ever will satisfy God. But Christ is our satisfaction for both us and God, isn't he? Yes, Chris, it's a good way to conclude. He is our satisfaction, and he is the only one who satisfies the Father. So we have to enjoy him, live him, and express him. Then we will live a life of full satisfaction, and we will please the Father because we will be the corporate expression of Christ. Oh, I always enjoy our times together, Brother Ed, and I hope you can come back. I know you have a very, very busy schedule, but whenever there's time, uh, just knock on our door. We'll have you in and record another program. Well, Chris, this is a great privilege for me to uh, participate in this radio program. And, and Chris, I'd just like to encourage the listeners to, you know, write in or call in and get the printed message because the printed message is very rich and instructive. If you'd like to find out about how to get these printed volumes, call us toll-free. Our number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Well, that is all the time we have today. And, Ed, I feel the same. And thanks again for coming. And for Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. And thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. To discover more of what Living Stream has to offer, please visit ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll be able to read over 600 titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee online and free of charge. Again, the website, ministrybooks.org. Thanks for listening today.